Psalm 119. We come now to the section number 17. And each verse in it begins with the Hebrew letter Pei. I draw your attention especially to verse 131. I opened my mouth and panted. This verse actually begins with the word pay. It is the word mouth. My mouth I opened and panted. So David has the open mouth. And that's what we most definitely think about when we're in this room. We think about the mouth open. And what does the mouth open cause us to reflect upon? Well, the focus could be on one of two things. Depending on whether things are going into the mouth or things are coming out of the mouth. Both are important, you know, in the Christian life. The Lord frequently directs our minds to guard what comes out. We're to keep our watch at our mouth. So that there does not come out of it sin and defilement. You remember how Jesus said, Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out, that defileth a man. Those things which proceed out of the mouth, you see, they come from the heart. And coming from a heart of sin, they can defile the man all the more. And the psalmist says, Set a watch, O Lord, upon my mouth. Be thou the guard of it. In this psalm, however, in this section, the focus is not so much on what comes out. The focus is on what comes in. What enters into the mouth. What goes down into the heart and life of the believer. In verse 131, there is no word going out. David is just panting. He's breathing. His mouth is opened and he's panting and he's ready to receive something. You see, this word panting or breathing is not an exhale. It means an inhale. Not a panting out, but an inhaling within. It's a taking breath in. A breath in preparation for a swallowing, for a devouring. It's a picture of desire for something. A desire to receive something. A desire to take something in. He's panting after the word. He's panting after the commandments to receive them. That is what is in his mind. If you have ever watched a baby being spoon fed, the child opens the mouth and seems to hold breath, seems to take an inhale and then hold breath, waiting to receive into the mouth the deposit of the food. And that's David. He's waiting to receive the deposit of God's word into his mouth. Waiting, desiring to swallow it down, desiring to get it into himself, into his heart. I think a good commentary on this word of David's is Peter's text. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the world. Take that inhale. Hold your breath. Waiting to receive it. 
and to swallow it down. So I think that's the image that we have here. In this room, David then is thinking about the mouth as that which is to devour and feed on God's word. And thus, the first word of verse 130 confirms this. Because it says, the entrance of thy word, not the exit. We're not talking about something going out, but we're talking about something coming in. The entrance of thy word bringeth light. So it's, he's thinking of the words coming into him. He's not focusing on their exit, but on their coming into him, into his life and soul. So the mouth, as we know, takes into the bowels the food that is to be digested, but the soul, it needs the life that the word gives. The word has to get into the soul. It has to be digested by us. And thus this image, the mouth being open to receive the word. In the Bible, God's word is often pictured as food. Food for the soul. Food for the Christian life. For Christian health. To maintain spiritual life. You remember how the Lord said, and he's quoting from the scriptures when he says it, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The word comes from his mouth. It's exiting his mouth but it exits his mouth in order to its entrance into our mouth and we live on that mouth. We feed from the mouth of God. We don't get life anywhere else. You'll not get spiritual health anywhere else. You'll not get it in gimmicks or games or all the other things that churches may want to bring in. You only get it at the mouth of God. And the church is about life, isn't it? Not about death. But about life, the the creation of life, the continuance of life, the sustenance of life, the maintaining of life. And that life is the life of the word from the mouth of God. Thy words were found, Jeremiah said, and I did eat them. We read Ezekiel. He found the role that was given to him by the Lord And he ate it, and it filled his bowels, and it was in his mouth as honey for sweetness. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, we have already seen in our study of this psalm. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. I open my mouth. This is why, for the honey of the word. So David clearly longs to fill his mind and heart with God's word. He's like a little bird in the nest. And by that open mouth he shows he is hungry. He shows he has an appetite. And we ought to be hungry for the word of God. We ought to have open mouths as we come before the Lord. And that open mouth is a good measure. Of our spirituality. It's a good thermometer. To check our spiritual temperature. That all is well. And so we must ask ourselves. Do we pant for the word? Are we like our dogs that come to us in the morning. 
as we come down to meet them and they greet us and they're running to us with their saliva juices already beginning to erupt almost standing holding their breath as you prepare the meal for them to give to them even the animals pant for their food and the spiritual man of God David he does the same blessed are they that hunger for they shall be filled. We often hear the words of the Apostle Paul quoted, and rightly so, when he says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you, richly, in you, through mouth gate, through the devouring of that holy word. This is what David is endeavouring to achieve, to get the word in him. Thy word have I hid in me. And so he's mouthgate here thinking this morning. Why would he desire this then? Let's think about this desire. Why is he hungry for the word? What does he hope to obtain by ingesting and digesting the word of God? Now clearly he finds God's word sweet. I mean no one opens their mouth for bitterness. No one's panting to receive bitter medicine. But we have our mouths open and our saliva juices flowing whenever there is sweetness, whenever there is a pleasurable taste at hand. So David clearly finds the word sweet and tasty and pleasant and he also finds it beneficial. We desire it for its tastiness and its pleasurableness. It satisfies, but it also makes us fit and healthy We know that it makes us vibrant and strong. We know that we will deteriorate if we don't eat. Food is necessary, but it's also tasty. And David finds the word of God like that. However, it is far more necessary than our food. And far more tasty too. The tastiness of food and the healthiness of food in a material manner to our body is very vital, essential but how much more so must your soul find the word of God more than my necessary food Job said looking at the reasons why he wants to ingest the word we see there in 129 he gives us one of the reasons Thy testimonies are wonderful. So it's like honey to him, isn't it? It's wonderful. God's word is a marvelous provision. It's exciting. That's what David thinks. It's a marvelous book. It's an exciting Bible that I have, he says. And it's because of the marvels of the testimony of God that he keeps them, he he receives them into his soul, the sense is, and he guards them inside him, guards them in his soul, because they're so wonderful. He's getting them in, in their tastiness, to preserve them in the secret place, to protect them from dangers, to guard them for his own spiritual health. So the best place to get these wonderful words into is into your heart. 
and to guard them deep down within. So that's what David is thinking about. To get them into the soul. To hide these wonderful words. So he certainly finds the Bible tasty. It attracts him. If we leave the image for a time of food, we might think of riches or treasures. The Bible is wonderful marvels like a treasure chest. And he gets them into his home and into his heart and life. But this is a marvelous treasure chest. Or a marvelous food pantry. It's not like your jewelry box. Nor is it like your larder at home where you have your food. Oh, this is far greater than that. Far more massive than that. Far more wonderful than that. You might have a wonderful jewellery box. I'm sure all you ladies do. Maybe even some of you men might have a jewellery box for all I know. You keep your little precious things in it. Men don't usually collect jewellery, but they have other precious things that they may collect. You have your boxes, gentlemen, as well as the ladies. But you know, it's all very little in comparison to the Bible. You may have a few marvels and a few wonders among your treasures. Some rare items even perhaps. But nothing compares to the treasures of Holy Scripture. It's not a little jewelry box. I can tell you. You know we can go to our jewelry box. And we can empty all its contents out. And we can virtually stick them into our pocket in one sitting. In our pockets we can get our jewelry box. So little and so small. But God's word is not a little jewelry box. It's a massive treasure chest. And I tell you this, you don't get it all into your pockets in one sitting. And you don't empty it all out in one sitting. It's a marvel. It's like a mine filled with gold that takes time to dig from and to dig out of. You have to go in and dig every day. You have to go in and fill your pockets each day and go home. And then you have to come back again the next day and the day after. And your pockets never have enough space to get it in in one sitting. And you have to keep returning. You have to keep coming daily. Like you come to food daily. You never get all the gold nuggets out. You never get all the wonders out in a moment. And you never be cease to be amazed at the sparkling wonders. Don't we find that in all the years we've studied scripture together. We can come to it again and again. And we can pull out more and more wonders from the treasure chest of God's holy word. So let us keep on digging. And finding more of the nuggets. And getting them into our heart. And continue to be amazed at its Wealth and riches. What did David say earlier on in another section? The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Now imagine a man had thousands of gold and silver. How happy he might feel himself to be. And yet David is one who feels that by having the Bible he has that. So the Bible is the richest mine in the world. It's the deepest mine in the world. It's the oldest open working mind in human history. A mind of God's 
provision into which all sinners can come and dig. And the ore never ceases, and it continues to come forth in abundance through all generations. The wonders of his Bible. David feels that daily, and daily he ingests it. Now, there are many wonders about Scripture, and that would be a sermon in itself to go into all of that. It's unique origin, given by God, breathed by God, inspired by the Spirit. It's antiquity. It's ancient age. It's unity, and yet marvelous diversity. These Scriptures that cannot be broken, their inerrancy, their infallibility, their heavenly authority, their transforming power, wonder after wonders about the book of God, especially the revelation of the wonder of wonders himself, our blessed Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He loves it just for that person in himself, and the wonders of the Redeemer therein revealed in the Old and the New Testaments. It's the gallery of Jesus Christ, the incarnate one. The Old Testament painting him as the one who is to come. And the New Testament painting him in in lively video of him who has come. And now sits and reigns at the right hand of God. Our living Saviour, able to save us to the very uttermost from all our vile sins and iniquities. It's a marvellous book. And David knows this. And it's no wonder he's opening his mouth to take it all in. Are we doing that this morning? Did you come here this morning with your mouth open? Is it even open now? How's your spiritual desire? How's your spiritual longing? Are you like a newborn babe, desirous to receive the milk of the word? David is. David describes further some of the benefits of Scripture in verse 130. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. Do you see why he's opening his mouth? Do you see why he's wanting it to enter into his soul? Because it giveth. It giveth out something. It giveth out light. And it giveth out understanding. This is why he wants it in. Light first of all. Giveth light. That's the main thing. That's the primary thing. Speaking about the wonders of the word, that's the first thing that he comes to. It's, it's light. The wonder of its light. And light is a wonderful thing. In fact, scientists are mystified by light. Its speed, its nature, how it's made up, how it's able to travel the way that it does. There is a wonder of wonders about the light. But we're thankful for it. And light is associated with life. There's no life without light. This is the greatest wonder in the universe and the greatest wonder in the Word. He's already spoken about this characteristic of the Word of God in verse 105. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet 
a light unto my path. And he wants that light in him. He doesn't want a darkened heart. Sinners have darkened hearts. The damned have darkened hearts. The unconverted have darkened hearts. But the child of God, he wants a lightened heart. And that light only comes through God's holy word. And getting it into us. So the entrance giveth light. God is himself light. And therefore his word will have something of his nature and his lightness. He is an infinite wonder in himself because he is light and the light of the world. And his word partakes of this marvel of light. At first creation, you remember, it was among the first things. Over that unshaped mass of matter, what did God say? Let there be light. And light was, and over that mass it shone. No life without the light. No life before the light, but light and life come together in light. And on that dead mass, life came because light came. And the light came from God. And God, by his mouth, caused the light to descend. And by the word, light enters into the mass of vanity and disorder. The mass of unclean and impure matter of our hearts and souls. Only the light of the word can come into that to transform that. It's no wonder David wants it in him. The entrance of thy word brings light. And so by its rays, new creature and new creation transformation takes place by the light of the word. Light is essential, light is sweet, light is pleasant. What a glory it sheds on our way, we sing sometimes. And on our hearts. We know, of course, that the world lieth in darkness. Multitudes are untouched by the light. Though they have Bibles, the Bible is freely available, never so much available as now, and freely available as well as universally available. Most of the world, I think, has a Bible or could have access to a Bible easily if it wished. I know there are thousands of languages in the world and languages that haven't even been the Bible received into. The Bible hasn't been translated into hundreds, maybe 700, maybe a thousand languages, I don't know. But those languages are a very small percentage of the earth's population. There are 7,000 languages in the world. But more than half the population of the world speaks only 23. English-speaking world, whether native speaking English or those who are capable of reading English who have another first language makes up about 18% of the world. So there are plenty of people that have the light of the world. And we want more and more to get it. That is true. But it is not having the light of the word that is enough. It is the entrance. The entrance of thy word giveth light. Multitudes have the Bible and access to the Bible but abide in darkness and David hits at the reason why it's not getting in. The mouth is not open to receive it. Men's mouths are open for other things that darken the heart. 
and dead in the soul. It's the entrance of the word that brings light and life. And thus we have even the Jews who regularly read the scriptures as Christians do and regularly hear the scriptures as Christians do and yet they abide in darkness because they have a veil over their heads. And if you have a veil over your head, light won't go in and, and food won't go in either. Has to be removed. The veil has to be removed, and, and the word has to have an entrance. And that's the problem with the Jews. The veil blocks their eyes and shuts their mouths to God's word. It's only in grace that a veil is removed. And the mouth of the new creature opens up to receive the word. An entrance requires an opening. For example, a king might be in his palace. They're all glorious within, such as the Bible. The glorious king, Jesus Christ, within the scriptures. But until the door is opened and he comes onto the balcony, the glory is not seen. The doors have to be unfolded. This is what this word is, entrance, an unfolding. There has to be an unfolding, an opening, a gate. And the king coming in to the Yet to show us glory. And it's for that that Christians open their mouths to see the glory of Jesus Christ in his book. And what light comes with him? Light into the soul that is transforming. Light into the soul that is exciting. Light into the soul that warms and burns the fervency of divine grace in the inner life of a true Christian. This is what David desires. I open my mouth. And we have to open our mouths like him to see the king. David adds that it also gives understanding unto the simple. What is understanding? Well, it is discernment. It is insight. It's an ability to know right from wrong. It's seeing the different shades. You know, in the darkness, it all looks bleak. It all looks dark. You don't see any interconnections. You don't see any partitions. You don't see any divisions. You can't distinguish any colors. I mean, if this was darkness here, you wouldn't distinguish the windows. You wouldn't distinguish the wall. You wouldn't distinguish the roof. But when light comes, you can distinguish. You can discern, you can divide up the parts and see what fits where and what belongs where and what is what. You have understanding, discernment. And that's what this word means. You see what hurts, you see what helps, you see what is good, you see what you should avoid, you see what you should do. You see the paths that you should be on and the places and paths that you should avoid. You have understanding. The man without understanding will walk in a dangerous path. A destructive path. A path to damnation and hell. You remember in Proverbs how Solomon put it. He saw a youth lacking understanding. And he tells us of all the different places that he went to and how he was destroyed and ruined. Because he didn't open his mouth to receive the understanding of the word. David wants this discernment in his life. That's why we give the word to the children. 
Oh, we could put them up with playstations. We could give them pool tables and snooker tables. We could give them all this and that and the other. But how will that get this understanding into their souls? How does that help the church of Jesus Christ? And so the church of Jesus Christ is about the word and getting the understanding into the children. Practical godly living. This is why he ingests the word. We saw last week that we not the servant of God needs us because he said in verse 125, I am thy servant. Give me understanding that I may know. Can't be a good servant without understanding. Ten times David uses this word understanding in this psalm. And six of those occasions are prayer requests for it. Give me understanding. Six times he says it. Six days in the week. Every day we should say it. And then we should come into the house on the seventh day. To get the answer to our prayer. Because don't expect to pray this and give me understanding. And you neglect the Sabbath day and the house of God and the means of grace. On that special day of blessing. So yes, six days in the week ask for it. But make sure you come out on the Sabbath expecting an answer to it. Give me understanding, Lord. And this is why his mouth is open. David adds, unto the simple. It giveth understanding unto the simple. There are two ways to think about the simple in the Bible. There are the unconverted simple. The wicked simple. The simple who are utterly void of understanding and don't really want it at all, any of this heavenly understanding, they're so void of it that they disregard Scripture and have no interest in Scripture. They ignore and slight Scripture. They even criticize Scripture. The simple without faith, without knowledge, without the fear of God. They'll criticize Scripture. They'll question Scripture. David is not speaking of them when he talks about the simple. He's not speaking about the wicked. He's not speaking about the unconverted who have no interest in the Bible. He's speaking about the people of faith. He's speaking about believers like himself. Just simple believers. Just simple Christians. That's what we should be. We shouldn't be afraid to be simple Christians. We don't have to be complex Christians and believers and, and all intellectual and all complicated and high-flying. No, no. We're, we are to be humble. Just to be simple, coming to the word of God and coming to God's house with the Bible in our hands. David is speaking of this kind of simple. Those who are not proud, those who are humble, the people of faith, the little babes who have the open mouth to receive the word like those little birds in the nest. Just the simple little birds wanting to feed. The simple who can receive and are capable of receiving the word, the humble believing, they receive it and ingest it as newborn babes. The simplicity of faith. Except you become as a little child, you shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven as newborn babes. He's not just speaking to young believers when he says that. Oh, there were mature believers in the churches that he was writing his epistle to. There were elder believers like himself. There were elders that were addressed later on in the epistle. And he says to them all as newborn babes. 
So he's not just saying, you're just converted, desire the word. He's saying, no, however long you are converted, and however old you are in the faith, as a newborn babe, you get that mouth open to receive with simplicity the word of God, which is able to build you up in faith. So it is this receiving of the word with the simplicity of faith that David is speaking about. A further benefit of getting God's word he refers to in verse 132. Look thou upon me and be merciful unto me as thou usest to do unto those that love thy name. Now as soon as David opens his mouth for the word he is praying for God's grace and mercy. Look thou upon me and be merciful unto me. And notice what he adds. He's stirred by examples from the word. Because he says, as thou usest to do unto those that love thy name. Who's he speaking about when he says, he's speaking about the fathers. He's speaking about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses. The fathers who are written about in the word. The fathers who received the promises. The fathers who were blessed by God and hearing his word and listening to his word. And God was gracious and merciful to them. And he says, Lord, be merciful and gracious to me as you were to your saints of old that you tell us about in your word. He's eating the word you see and giving the word back to God. Oh, I want to be like Abraham, Lord. How you come to Abraham, how you blessed him, how you said, I'll be your shield, I'll be your exceeding great reward. You give him the promises to him, but not to him alone, to the seed too. And Lord, I'm pleading those promises. I'm claiming those promises as you used to do to the ones of old, as you did to our fathers. So do to me. This is a benefit he gets from the word, richly dwelling in him. Then he prays, order my steps in the word. Verse 133. And don't let any sin have dominion over me. You see, David wants to be in step with God. And to be in step with God, you have to be in step with his word. And to be in step with with his word, it has to be in you. And controlling you. And you're not controlling the word, and you're not criticizing the word, but the word's in you, it's controlling you, and it's giving you steps. Steps in his word. Steps through his word. Steps by his word. That's infilling you, leading you, guiding you keeping you in the right path, bringing you in the right direction. That only takes place when it is an ingested word. A word richly dwelling in you. Only then can you walk with God. Only then can you take steps with the Lord. So no believer, you see, he he doesn't want to be enslaved by sin. Don't let any iniquity have dominion over me. He wants to be free of sin in his life. He doesn't want to be in bondage to any sin, any lust, any uncleanness. He wants to be a free saint. He wants to be a completely delivered saint. He wants to be a saint escaping the enslavement of sin. And the only way that that can take place is when the mouth of the child of God is open to receive the word and to get it into him. You see, the word is is your armor. This is what David is saying. This is the benefit of the word. I need its armor. I need its protection. I need its delivering power in my life. 
The only safety is in the word of God dwelling richly within us. This is why he's opening his mouth to receive that word. You know, we can't battle without the armor of God within us as well as about us. And the chiefest part of the armor of God is his word. And if God's word is not richly in us, it's like fighting without weapons. You need the armory of the word. By the word only, a believer is an overcomer. By the word ingested, sin's dominion is broken as we bring our hearts into conformity with the word. Do you remember how John put it? The word of God abideth in you. In you. And you have overcome the wicked one. Thy word have I hid in me. In my heart. That I might not sin. That I might not be enslaved to sin. This is the only way, child of God. Any other way is fighting in the flesh. The only safety is in an open mouth. Inhaling. To receive that word. And God says, open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. Really get into the word. Get into the word preached. Get into the means of grace. Open your mouth wide for God's word. Let us pray.